0: ChooseCast is part of the Fire and Water Network.
1: Mr. Carbone, by hiring you, we hope to prove our spouse is innocent. Yeah, there you go. Well, don't. in most of these cases, the news is otherwise. Believe me, I've seen it a million times. A bored husband fed up with leftovers in the bedroom as well as a kitchen, starts eyeing a cute little pastry tart next door who's only too happy to serve up a little dessert. That's not true in our case, mm-hmm. is it, Norm? Huh? Uh, no, no way. Uh, anyone else hungry? <laughs> And welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me once again to talk about the season four episode Love Thy Neighbor from the Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast and other shows on the Rhydon right Network, please welcome Tim Price. What's up, Tim?
0: Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me back on the show. And I, it's amazing. I actually can be on the show and have a podcast of my own to talk about.
1: You're crazy? That's
0: yeah. We live in crazy times now. Anything can happen in today's world.
1: <laughs> You're no longer the pod crasher. You're a podcaster of your own.
0: No, no, I, I'm still the pod crasher. That's <laughs> okay. that's not going away. That doesn't go the, away. No, no, no. Because the crashing means not just you know jumping into someone else's podcast, but also you know making something fail disastrously. <laughs> so I'm perfect for that part too.
1: Lessening the value of the show. Oh, well, I'm glad I have you for this one. Yes.
0: I, well, I help, I help make your other guests sound better, so. They should all appreciate that,
1: too. I know they appreciate it. They talk about it, actually, afterwards. <laughs> all right, so this is Season 4, Episode 8, Love Thy Neighbor. It is written by David Angel, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November twenty first, 1985. Norm and Vera have been spending time with another couple, Ron and Phyllis Henshaw. Vera and Ron, being the more outgoing of their respective couples dance with each other leaving norm to watch this has never been a problem before until phyllis comes to cheers and tells norm she suspects ron and vera are having an affair when norm's suspicions are aroused he and phyllis hire carla's cousin santo carbone a private detective to find out if their spouses are cheating on them santo warns them that they will probably hate the truth and they're better off ignorant but they persist Meanwhile, Sam appears on a radio program hosted by his old friend Dave Richards and accidentally insults Diane. Under pressure from her, he goes back on the show and apologizes for demeaning her and all women everywhere throughout history. After following Ron and Vera for a week, Santo determines that they are not having an affair. When he comes to report this to Norm and Phyllis, however, he catches them kissing. The stress of their suspicions and shared betrayal, throwing them into each other's passionate embrace. Even after getting Santo's report, Phyllis wants to have an affair with Norm, but he lets her down, feeling more committed to Vera than ever. All right, Tim, what did you think of Love Thy Neighbor?
0: This was actually pretty an interesting episode in general of Cheers. I mean, you know, it's obviously it's played for laughs. But it's actually a more or less serious, dramatic subject. Uh, talk about, you know, infidelity and, mm-hmm. uh, and especially if, and for uh, two married couples having potentially having trouble and, you know, trust issues and all that. It's like, you know, we normally see it from more of like like Sam's point of view or the guys who are single, the dating point of view. It's like you know, But Sam has himself played times like i eh, been in, like on the spot of not knowing he was with a married woman or he did have like a married woman come on to him, but he's turned them down. He draws a line at that, but it's like, it's still been fodder for some stories on that front, but this is a very different. Mm -hmm. And, and also it can be played for laughs and kind of take the, kind of takes the, uh, the seriousness out of it, or at least it fools you into taking the seriousness out of it because Norm jokes about Vera so much. Right. So with that as his personality, it's like, how much does he really care about his marriage? And they actually kind of get into that in this episode in some humorous ways, too, uh, but also some touching ways. Mm -hmm. So I really do – it's – you know, it's not – I don't think it's necessarily a top-tier episode, but it's darn enjoyable. What do you think about this one?
1: I like it for being, a a, you know, a norm-centric episode. And, you know, we're we're at a phase, you know, certainly during the early years – the episodes that hinge on the supporting characters sometimes they can be really strong and sometimes they're kind of eh. If it's not based on Sam and Diane, it could kind of go either way. But I definitely think for being a Norm-heavy episode, this one this one works and it's good. And and for that reason that you said is this we're delving into actually serious territory where actions have repercussions and and like could could shake up the status quo and as much for Norm. But still very funny uh, and very heartfelt and earnest um, uh, and, and kind of interesting that way. So yeah, yeah. going through it, uh, I love the fact that we get Dave Richards back, um, played by Fred Dreyer, mm-hmm. Although this time it's only voiced by Fred Dryer. That is, that is the. Ugh, of it is that we don't actually see him and he doesn't interact with Diane because I love it when they actually have scenes together. Those, those moments are magical. Um, this time we only get his voice, the same as doing these radio interviews and in two scenes. Um, and this is his third of four, th- four appearances. So we're only going to get him one more time. So it kind of, it hurt not to see him and not to get Fred Dreyer's appearance on the show, but it was nice to have that character back a little bit.
0: That's kind of one of the interesting things about the structure of the show, too, is that we have that sort of part being the B-plot. Mm-hmm. And obviously Norm's story is the A-plot, but it's like we see the B-plot first yep, and the A-plot gets introduced later. And it's almost like we're almost being set up for thinking, is this whole thing with the radio interview and Diane's reaction going mm-hmm. to be something bigger? Yeah. Ben, it's like, no, no, they're, just, they're actually just like kind of, it's a misdirect. Right. It's a very much a misdirect. It's like, we're going to kind of catch you off guard with the fact that, oh, no, something's happening on with Norm and his wife.
1: Yeah, I did like, uh, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to tackle sort of the radio stuff first, uh, just to kind of get mm-hmm. it out of the way. I did like, once they start the show, their initial banter on the radio is very boring and very uninspired. <laughs> it's kind of like, mm-hmm. they're they're just like, hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And then like dead air and everything. And, and Diane makes the, the joke about it. Where can we get the transcript for this?
0: I liked <laughs> it because it, it sort of called back
1: to one of, I think it was Dave's first episode in the first season um, where he's doing an interview with Sam that eventually gets interrupted. But he, like when he's talking to Sam, he's like, how you doing? And, and Sam gives a pretty short and succinct answer. And Dave just kind of like stands there smiling. Like it's established that he's not good at filling in those gaps. Like he, he's not mm-hmm. good with small talk.
0: Yeah, it's exactly like that scene in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get the same vibe. I know exactly which type scene you're talking about. I can picture in my head. And perhaps that's why the radio side works so well for long-time viewers because we can already like picture that previous episode happening without seeing their faces. Yeah. It makes it feel like Fred is there more than he actually is mm-hmm. because we've already because we, we, we've gone through the scene. Now, I hate to ask, but did you also get a podcasting vibe to that whole scene as well? <laughs>
1: I mean, i've I've done shows that went about that well. Yeah, <laughs> certainly, you know, like when they're like, the lines are open, we can talk about anything. Doesn't have to be about baseball. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: you just kind of yeah.
0: yeah. it's just it's there's definitely something about the precursor to the podcasting and mm. medium yeah. of the old style of the radio shows, and obviously, radio shows are still out there. Obviously, right? But. Uh, I haven't listened to so many podcasts lately, it's like uh, I gotta shake that feeling.
1: Makes it, it makes you a little self-conscious, yeah.
0: <laughs> Just a smidge.
1: Yeah. So then they do they do eventually get a call that is not Woody, but another guy uh, talking about how Sam was, you know, had this reputation for being a womanizer and asked if women were more attracted to a man in uniform. And Sam responds with, actually in my you know, in my experience women were more impressed when I was out of the uniform. Cut to everybody gets the big laugh, and then he mentions like like how like some of the the women that he was with like didn't care for baseball, didn't know anything about it, and then he says one former love bunny actually brought a book to read to a Sox game to read between the pitches. Um, and Diane, of course, picks up, and everybody knows that he's talking about her. So this is mm-hmm. I, I found this interesting because clearly he's not talking about. A time when he was pitching. So, as a couple, they must have gone to a Sox game. And throughout mm-hmm. season yeah. two, we really only heard about the times when they went to her stuff, when she dragged him to the ballet or the art gallery or the you know the opening of some you know like uh, internet foreign movie or something like that, and he was just you know dreading it. Right. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a whole lot of occasions where it was like confirmed that they went to his type of sporting events or movies or things like that.
0: Yeah. That was kind of interesting and surprised to see that more because it actually showed. I I do feel that perhaps maybe that's the writers missed an opportunity to perhaps play up the humor of her going to things that he was interested in or were they just because of the bar crowd, they focused more on the things where Sam was the one feeling put upon for that humor factor rather than Diane feeling put, put upon having to put up with something that Sam wanted to go to, Mm -hmm. but who knows how many of those things he went to. I mean, maybe he, maybe she, he did take her to uh, monster truck rallies. I don't know (laughs) (laughs) that I could see that completely. Um, but yeah, it actually gave an interesting new dynamic to their relationship to like, oh yeah, they actually did do some things that he wanted to do. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good to know. But and it also it's... makes it more heartfelt when she says that, we went through a lot together. I'm, We meant something. And I, I went to that with you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lump me in with the rest of your tarts? What the heck? <laughs> <fuck?
1: laughs> and it confirms that, you know, I mean, she... Diane has made the case that she has tried to conform herself a little bit to the clientele of the mm-hmm. bar. Like when right. when her cat died, when she made the speech, she's like, "I no longer have to cover my eyes when I watch a hockey fight." You know, things like that. <laughs> right? but she's actually changed. Like, yeah, she in the course of their relationship, she would have tried to take an interest in you know his his like in baseball and sports. That was a huge part of his life. If she thought they were a serious couple, she would have she would have gone to that and everything. But the fact that she read a book while she was there in the stands with him doesn't speak much of her her commitment to it. Um, mm. But then she gets super offended by his description of her as a, a love bunny when he kind of puts her down. And, of course, she's embarrassed because everybody else is kind of like joke, making fun of her. But I feel like that, that would have been something that they would have talked about after the fact. Like he would have mentioned that to everybody and they would have teased her about that years ago. And Mm -hmm. Sam never addresses her by name. He doesn't give any other, you know, identifiable characteristics. So I understand Mm -hmm. why she would have been upset. But the fact that she took it to the level of giving him the silent treatment for a week and then, like, forcing him to go back on the radio and make this apology that she writes herself, I felt like that was just a little bit too much for her. Mm. Like, if they had still been dating, if they were still dating. Mm -hmm maybe she would have had cause to do, to rebuke him for this, but uh, I don't know. I was like, kind of like, uh, I don't think she has a real leg to stand on here.
0: Oh, I, I totally agree that she doesn't have a leg to stand on, but I also completely buy it in terms of her character mm. with how she's dealt with him when they weren't even dating at all. Hmm. You know, before seen season one, you know, she'll take anything that he says and, as, and blows it out of proportion. It's just how she is with him <laughs> because she cares about him so much, in turn when he does things showing a lack of sensitivity to her she can't help but emphasize, why are you being so mean to me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's That's what it is every single time. Why are you picking on me? You mean the world to me. And thus it's showing the cracks in the fact that, oh yeah, they still love each other even mm-hmm. though they won't say it. It's like, no, they're not dating, but this has nothing to do with that. Right. This has everything to do with their feelings for each other. Right. <laughs> well, also when that whole scene happens there, when when, uh, when before Sam comes out, uh, and D- Diane's like laughing nervously and trying to hide the book that she's reading <laughs> at the bar, yeah. and Carla comes over and gives her cla- her her standard kind of reaction. I wonder who that was, Diane. Yeah.
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I love Carla.
1: The, the other bit about the the whole radio sequence that I really liked was when Woody is on the phone briefly with the uh the producer and he's like hey can how do you on the yeah. phone, can I can I have you, your station play uh the song Roxanne and dedicate to my girlfriend Beth and then he's like yeah no it, i i don't think there's a song called Beth <laughs> and doesn't not realizing that there was in effect, a very popular song by Kiss named Beth um and uh, Found that interesting because uh, yeah. the episode right before this dealt with Woody not knowing, like you know, older music and everything. Well, actually, calling Devo old music, old
0: bands. Oh right.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Woody's really putting his mark on the show. Mm-hmm. I, it, this is this is definitely a a kind of a Woody bit. Yeah. Um, and those those all those things he's doing with the with the radio in this one. Um, and some of his interactions with Norm later on, it's like, yeah, they're really, they kind of nailed Woody's character right away. Yeah. Yeah. And they really didn't. And which was not, he is a pretty good archetype of a character. They knew what groove, what, uh, what lane they wanted Woody to drive in. And they just kept on going with that. And it was a, it worked really well. It just worked really well for the dynamic of the show. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was He's, good to see it. It's good to see this and revisit it.
1: He, he like this early on, he fills the role of coach, but he has a little bit more malleability. You know, he can, yes. he can get away with lines and, and, certain situations that the coach couldn't. Um, so that's, that's kind of interesting how they're fleshing him out, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, and coach also had that paternal role to the group too, mm-hmm. which is one thing I, I sort of thought we kind of missed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's one thing I, I loved about him As a character For the dynamic of the show I also see how it works better To not have Such a wise paternal character That everybody else Automatically defers to and looks up to All Right that kind of, that way they can mess up more. Yeah, now, I mean <laughs> now now
1: familiar. they have almost the literal kid brother. I mean like the you know the, yes. the kid who's, who's so. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean in fact like when the the idea the suspicion of them having an affair ha- uh, is brought up later on, you know Woody tells mm-hmm. Norm he's like you know they they wouldn't do that to you guys. They're married for <laughs> loud. and Carla's like how old are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep that's that's actually the big difference right there if, if it had been coach in that same position coach would have been giving him the norm come on you've mm. gotta listen you've gotta talk to her it's like you know and so he would have or right. or but also he would have had his own crazy little observations about it on his own front but he would have been something to, that would have been more inclined to try to listen to yeah or and help and direct norm as opposed to woody who's just one more voice in the crowd that are like and they're like as Phyllis put it, who are these people? <laughs> I
1: love when she So good. All right, so all right, so let's get it. Getting into the the main plot, as you said, the A plot. First, when when Norman walks in and everything, and he they they're talking about how they missed him before, and he said, you know, we I was we were out dancing with Vera, and they're like, Wait, you you were dancing? No, not really. Um, and he he quickly dispels <laughs> that that he actually just goes to watch because Vera's the one who's dancing. And Cliff like, well, who is she dancing with? And he's like, this guy, Ron Henshaw, our, our friend. We go as a couple, and, and those two are dancing. Um, and, and he's He's like, yeah, Vera's the dancer in the family. She even has dancers' buns. Too bad they're on her calves. Still, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but Cliff, of course, is, you know, prodding him. He's like, oh, yeah, Vera's dancing with this other guy. He's like, do they slow dance together? And Cliff he's like, yes, what's your point? And he's like, well, you know, during the slow dance, mm-hmm. certain parts of the body start to touch. You know, just very innocently, Thigh brushes up against Thigh, and before you know it, you're hosing them down like dogs.
0: Now, Cliff has obviously thought about this a lot. Mm. Uh, and Cliff has his own experience. Well, I guess he does have his own experience with that. Uh, I forget I forget what season it was in. I should have looked it up before now, of um, the Halloween costume episode. That was episode. season
1: three. That was last season, yeah.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. Um, and his date there. It's like, okay, so he has some experience with Thigh touching Thigh. I don't know about <laughs> the being hosed down afterwards part. <laughs> I don't, that's, that's, that's all on your part, Cliff. I don't really want to know. (laughs) I do like in that particular thing when, as Cliff starts to pry, that Norm responds and kind of gets that little eye roll with his, why do you ask Cliff? Yeah. It's like, that was a a nice little, nice little acting touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's just like, he's
1: he's like, you don't understand. There's nothing going on here. There's there's no big deal. It's purely platonic. And, and he's totally fine with that. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a minute or two later, Phyllis walks in. Norm recognizes her, and she asks if they can talk privately. And they, they, of course, they sit at the table right behind Norm's usual seat, so they're like two feet oh, away yeah. from Cliff and and Carla and Diane. And she says she thinks that Vera and Ron are having an affair. And Norm repeats it, and then he looks back, and everybody is just staring and watching him. He's like, "Y'all heard mm-hmm. that,
0: yeah." y'all hear that y'all hear that how about you guys over there everybody hear it okay it's like oh
1: <laughs> yeah getting, getting defensive, and then they go down the hall and and the sequence that was almost my my highlight for the for the episode when mm. she's like you know ron is always going over there to to borrow things and and is like well you know he vera said he came over to borrow a power drill and she goes norm we have a power drill and his response is just variable speed? Like, he's just like, he's like, well, okay, <laughs> hang on, this might not be a thing because my power drill is really cool and, you know, he might mm-hmm. be jealous of that. She's like, yes. He's like, well, is your power drill cordless? And she's like, yeah, and she, she starts she's freaking like, oh, out. My yeah, like, oh my God! Yeah, oh my God. He starts losing it. He's like, okay. So oh yeah. That's when the, the susp- he goes out there and he starts talking to the others because they've been overhearing everything and, They feed into his suspicions and say, you know, he's a private, uh, private dick. And Carla mentions that, you know, she's got a cousin, Santo, who's a private investigator and they could do everything. And Diane gives him the advice, probably the same advice that coach would have had, which was Norm has to be direct and he just has to confront Vera and not let it get this far. Um so he does. He calls her to see if she's there, and she is home, and that makes him feel good. Except he realizes that she's there listening to Johnny Mathis records, and he doesn't have any Johnny Mathis records at home, but the Henshaws do. So,
0: yep, it's it's definitely like the the, the audience laughter is partly uncomfortable mm-hmm. and, and partly like, uh oh, mm-hmm. we see what's going on here.
1: Yeah, yeah, you see, they, he's he. Their their response is mirroring his as he kind of figuring this out. He's just mm-hmm. like, at first I felt really good about this, and the more I think about it, I I don't feel so good about it. And at this point, it's is beyond beyond the point of no return. So he tells Carla to call her cousin. So I, I should probably mention some of the the guest casts because we've got some great ones. Obviously, oh, yes. mm-hmm. Dave Richards. We only have his voice. We only have the voice of Fred Dreyer, but Phyllis Henshaw. Everybody has seen this woman, Miriam Flynn. Um, If you've seen the National Lampoon's movies, the vacation ones, she was in the first Mm -hmm. one, Christmas Vacation, Vegas Vacation. She plays Cousin Catherine, Eddie's wife. Great character. She's done tons of things. Um, I remember her. I think I noticed her first in the Michael Keaton movie, Mr. Mom. Uh, Oh, yes. A a point that always kind of like – really struck home with me is when the first time he has to drop his kids off at school and they're like dad you're doing it wrong and he's like I know how to drop kids off and everything and he goes he pulls into like one lane and uh, the the woman Miriam Flynn is just there as like like a, a teacher or like a, a crossing guard or something and she's like hi Jack I'm Annette you're doing it wrong <laughs> I just i always love that line
0: so oh yeah I mean she's got tons of credits she's on tons of TV movies That's a, there's actors. a lot
1: of voice work too yeah
0: yeah, and, uh, it was great to see her so much in, like, the Land Before Time series. Mm. I mean, I'd, I've i only watched, like, I did not watch, like, more than the first one or two. But it's like, boy, they got, like, a, in the double digits of Land Before Time movies? What the heck?
1: I noticed and, that on IMDb, and that caught me completely off guard. I only remember the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I saw the first one when I was younger, and I, I had no idea that there were umpteen sequels and spinoffs. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, like the voice of Grandma Longneck, mm-hmm. so yeah. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and just like all these other things that you know you, if you go if you just go look look them up you'll just you'll just be blown away by all the things you see yeah. her name on' yeah. wonderful stuff. Uh,
1: speaking of voice actors, uh, Carlos cousin Santo is played by Ernie Sabella, who is yes. famously the voice of Pumbaa in The Lion King, which also has mm-hmm. an infinite number of spin-offs and TV shows and, and other things like that. So you've heard him singing.
0: A lot of the things are actually credited as Timon and Pumbaa shows. Have Timon and Pumbaa become enough of their own thing that they're not really Lion King properties? It's actually its own property by now? I you know just just to be just be nitpicky, it's like are they really count considered is it by, by this point would they still be considered Lion King spinoffs or is it like no it's a it's a Timon and Pumbaa property period. That's
1: a good question, and I'm not the right person to answer because just as I said before, <laughs> I saw the first Lion King and that's it. I haven't seen any mm-hmm. of the, the follow up movies or those. People. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting question. That would be interesting. It's not like they if they're as well known among mm-hmm. fans, certainly fans of a, a generation of those kids, if they know Timon and Pumbaa as much as they know Simba and the rest of the movie, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, from the sheer volume of them, you could probably have watched tons of Timon and Pumbaa mm-hmm. cartoons, shorts, video games, whatever, and not watch The Lion King ever. Mm-hmm. It's certainly possible, because there's actually far less Lion King things than there are Timon and Pumbaa from the looks right, of, at least, yeah. that, he, that he has credits on. Right. So. Yeah. Um, and he also appeared earlier in Cheers. He did. He actually
1: appeared one, briefly last season as just a patron who is, it's the joke where Coach says, you know, I could ask you three questions and be able to guess your age. And the first question is, "What <laughs> year were you born? you think that would be enough, but he keeps asking. And then, of course, Coach gets floundered he flustered. He's like, you know, I I have to carry a decimal per, a point or something like that. Numbers and so he he's you know <laughs> can't do it. So um yeah, he just very briefly in one of those episodes. But um yeah, he was all he done a bunch of other stuff. I recognize him. He in the uh, summer season of saved by the bell he played leah rimini's dad um he is a car salesman in the prologue like the first scene of the movie quiz show with ray fines and John oh, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time so i always remember him from nice. that
0: i uh, recognize him from something in particular is that on an episode of seinfeld where jerry falls asleep on a subway yes he's a naked he- guy <laughs> he wakes up and yes, that's the and this uh, and Ernesto is the naked guy on the subway.
1: Yep, yep. He's fully and clothed, fully clothed, wearing a suit when Jerry falls asleep, and when he wakes mm-hmm. up, he's just sitting there naked,
0: <laughs> holding his newspaper. Yep, and that. So uh, if you remember that scene, you could picture this actor anywhere.
1: Mm. <laughs> good, <laughs> good call. Sense. I forgot about that one, but yeah, yeah. Um, and then. We we skipped over the teaser, but I want to go quick. the the teaser oh, really God. quickly. Um, ends with two large burly guys wearing flannels and everything about to leave, and they're cashing out their their check with Woody, uh, and they're standing right behind Cliff, and and Woody calls out that their drink order included four peach daiquiris and three creme de menthe wraps. and and like Cliff just starts laughing at. What he imagines are four kind of feminine sounding drinks, and then he turns around and sees the guys who don't think it's very funny, and they're threatening him, and, and Cliff is quickly mm-hmm. turns sheepish and has to – but the two guys, one is named Jack, played by Frank uh, Zarnecki, only has two credits mm. on IMDb this episode, and one episode of Hunter, which starred Fred Dreyer. Oh, that's funny. I I have no idea why he's just in these two things, if he was like a crew member or or like a tech hand who they just brought in because of his look, or if he was friends with Fred Dreyer, and that's how he got these two particular gigs. Um, (laughs) But the other guy, Frank, is played by Richard Young, who does have quite a few credits, but notably, I think, he plays the guy with the fedora in the prologue of indiana jones and the last crusade the guy who eventually Ooh. gives indy his fedora hat so
0: nice that's awesome
1: getting back to the ernie sabella of it all eventually they they meet this guy and i love it his whole his whole shtick at the first he just seems very disinterested he's leaning back and he's just like look you want my advice don't hire me just put this whole thing out of your mind and Norm just says, that's a very interesting sales technique. You got there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really, I, his introduction is so fun. Um, he, he, he's, he's a, he's very just, just, a matter of fact kind of guy and, I, you know, oddly likable. Mm-hmm. I find it like an oddly likable for, a, which is kind of different from what you expect for the, the typical kind of cliche of the private detective would be a kind of little... Uh, slimy, yeah. a little skeevy, especially if he's Carla's cousin. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe kinda... I'm probably being prejudiced there by jumping to conclusions, but it's like you know, he's Carla's cousin. I mean, come on,
1: <laughs> he he actually comes off as much more competent than I would assume for Carla's cousin. Not just more kind of like mm-hmm. forthright and earnest and kind of like on the level, but just like. Good at his job. <laughs> I was like, yeah. for being a for being Tortelli or Tortelli adjacent um, mm-hmm. it seems a little surprising.
0: Well, um, Carla talks about big times. Like he's a master of disguise. Yeah, he, he could be in not just room. not just people, but like objects, furniture. <laughs> he could be here right now. <laughs>
1: I love that. And he tells them he's like, you know, it's like you don't want to hire me. Is like ever? like you don't want to know the truth. You should just like en- embrace your ignorance. And uh, Phyllis says, you know, we're hoping. To be wrong, We're, we want you to prove us wrong, and he's like, everybody wants that, but that's not usually the way it goes. And he starts kind of going through this whole describing. He's like, you know, some little husband starts eyeing the little sweet tart down the road, and he wants a little bit of dessert. And Norm just <laughs> starts thinking about. It's like anybody else hungry?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah. yeah, that that whole scene of Santo, he's got so many. Somebody- so many good bits on there like well even when he like mentions you're in for a lot of pain heartache misery and carla just chimes in and that's when you see the bill <laughs> <laughs> and santo's just like my cousin she's a pistol he's <laughs> proud of her he's proud of her being a pistol I'm
1: and like, that's such oh. a i love his deadpan delivery like he's had to say yes. he's like he's had to apologize for her before <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: He obviously loves it he yeah. obviously he's like this this is how, this is their family mm-hmm. this is the, this that's what their family is like yeah. so <laughs> yeah. and I, the, that was very fun
1: the best moment is as he's leaving, he and Diane recognize each other and he's like, weren't you yeah. at golden or she you know, she says weren't you an orderly at Goldenbrook He's like, that was my cover and yes, if you go back and watch the first episode of season three when Diane comes back and she's at the bar for the first time and she's talking to the group, Carla lets out that she knew Diane was at what she calls the insane asylum and they keep after, like right. that's not mm-hmm. what it was. But she's like, I hired a private detective to make sure that you were gone for good and you were really gone. So this is this, kind of like, I love that they actually mm-hmm. kind of tied this back and they came back to this. Yeah, it's a style. She has a cousin who's a private eye and he was the one who tracked Diane and then they have this reuni- this reunion moment and it's really, really good.
0: Oh, I, I really loved it. Santos the one who tracked you down the insane asylum. <laughs> she, it wasn't an insane asylum, damn it. It was more like a spa. Yeah. And she does that spa thing with <laughs> arms and everything. And it's like,
1: yeah. What? Oh, yeah. When, she's, Diane? like, cleaning a table, and she kind of does a yeah. little, like, wishy-washy thing with a t- towel. Yeah.
0: She's, like, being so deliberately dramatic. It's like, okay, this is Diane being dramatic. But also it's kind of like Shelley Long... Yeah. deciding that Diane is going to be dramatic here.
1: Mm-hmm. So so Phyllis comes back. It's a week later. She's like, "They're gonna." he's going to give us our report. Can we go somewhere private? And they actually go as far back as the pool room this time. And I love that Cliff is going to follow them. Cliff is walking <laughs> right behind her, and she stops and turns around and stares at him, doesn't say a word, just looks at him mm-hmm. and says, you're not a part of this, <laughs> like, without saying it. Oh, yeah. And he just
0: it's turns the look around. of death. Oh, yes. she's... Completely gives him the look of death. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Cliff took the uh, better part of valor and decided. Oh, I actually <laughs> think I'd to be back over here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I just I love the through line from her her line earlier that you mentioned when she's like, "Who are these people?" To that point where she just stops and stares at him, and he's like, "All right, when you when you said privacy, you meant the two of you, not all of us." <laughs> but, so,
0: well, Cliff is practically family. You know, for, for yeah. And as so, far as he thinks, yeah, obviously obviously it doesn't exclude him
1: yeah and he's probably thinking norma's gonna tell us what the, anyway so we might as well just cut out the middleman exactly so, so they come back out and they're they're waiting and they're just kind of like thinking everything like how could their relationships have come to this point norma has a great line when he's like day after day night after night i sit on that stool wondering why did she lose interest in me oh that's perfect for norma <laughs> yeah. Of course, they start thinking about, you know, if, if the truth is that they are having an affair, what are they going to do? And she kind of brings up the fact that, you know, out of out of revenge or spite, she's going to get the control back and start having affairs of her own. And Norma's like, yeah, that's what I'll do. And they kind of start egging each other on. But, oh, it's so hard to meet people. Who would they sleep with? Like, who would they have an affair? It would have to be somebody who understands and knows. And, and as they do this, I love just the blocking. They just start sort of like, like there's this magnet just kind of pulling mm-hmm. them together against their will without them even noticing and they just keep getting closer and closer until their fingers touch. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and the lines where they're just like thinking about like Vera and Ron is, she calls them adulterers and, and Norm almost getting nasally going fornicators.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that whole bit there, I, I kind of read it a little differently, watched mm-hmm. it a little differently in that you know, Phyllis is kind of like standing there and kind of playfully drawing her finger back and forth while on the pool table and she's using that to hide that she's walking closer to norm norm is just standing there with his hands planted on the pool table and she's just kind of like playfully working her way down until she touches his little pinky and they they stop and it's like they start to just link fingers and like it is is ridiculously funny <laughs> how this how this seduction is starting to happen between just their fingers. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> You're right. She definitely is more proactive than that because mm-hmm. she went there kind of with her mind made up. Because even yeah. after even after that, because of course Santo comes in and watches them kissing, and he's like, "Oh, you've got to be kidding." Uh, me. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, he's so
0: they, disgusted." They, and he's like, yeah. "Yeah, they they almost like just like have a second of just like." Just quivering and then grab each other, and very awkward uh, uh, make out happening when Santa comes in. It's like oh, yeah. us. <laughs> Santa's. Well I oh for God's yeah. sake.
1: <laughs> and and he's like I found out that these two are such a wonder they they decided not to have an affair. They're not cheating on you. In fact they 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 inspired me to like, you know, made me feel better about the business I'm in and, and I have a, a new look on humanity. And then I come in here and I see this. <laughs> I see you two cheating on them and it's
0: And I'm it's, right back, back in, in the, the sewer. sewer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yes. They they really they really uh, gave Sant the uh, the santo character a lot of fun things to work with in this episode
1: they did they did and then he's, but just, once he's, he's left playing so right.
0: counter to type it's so counter to type what the detective should be
1: yeah like, the oh, the I know. Should be.
0: yeah it's, that's what's so great about that it's like uh he, it's like god help us all like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and then you're right because as you were saying like phyllis she was like well you know something definitely happened while we were kissing and she's like i I I I'm still willing to go go through with it if you are and and she's you know mm-hmm. I mean I think she she kind of decided she'd already made up her mind in her head that whatever was mm-hmm. going on like that that maybe her her marriage was over and she was willing to move on and, and wanted to start with Norm she was coming on to him and and he's the one who has to be the hero and the good the good normal Norm that we love and has to kind of put like brush her off and just say no I, I can't do that so
0: yeah he that's a super important moment in the episode and just for a norm's character in general we've had a lot of ups and downs with norm's relationship with vera over these just these very four fast seasons i mean they were separated Mm -hmm. they tried they tried to have a baby and gave up on it Mm -hmm. And now we're to even, like, a some different marital stress here. It's, he also he in admit,
1: he admitted in the last season that he's never been with another woman, that she's the only right. one he's ever been with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so, and with all the jokes and stuff, that they and he even made jokes about her with Phyllis, um, which actually went over Phyllis's head because... Obviously, other people view Vera very differently mm-hmm. than Norm does.
1: Yeah, she says I don't have to tell you how great looking Vera is, and he goes, oh, well, you sure don't." I like, <laughs> okay, they they do have two very different uh, perspectives on her, mm-hmm. um, and, and she has a great line at the end. She's like, "I even kind of like Vera in a strange way," and he's like, "Well, oh, that's the only way you can." <laughs>
0: <That's>... <laughs> well, there he there's um, Norm saying, "When I listen to that tape, something happened to me. I realized how much Vera means to me." Bill says, "Well, why don't you run home to your press?" A little white, and Norm's like, "I'm going to do just that uh, after a couple more beers." (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, uh, perspective.
0: perspective. (laughs) mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, she gets she always she. There's a moment where she's feeling the rejection, and she almost gets a little hostile and like it, kind of like, "Oh, okay, we're seeing this ugly side of her." But it it calms and it kind of like it's it's subdued by the end of it, and it's probably just because it's really hard to not like Norm. (laughs) It's
0: yeah absolutely well it's and we get indirect let's seeing vera through other people's eyes and even hearing her on the tape we're getting more vera right here that we've had in even come from previous episodes we're actually seeing some more of the picture of her even though we're never going to actually see her physically because right. uh, we have even on the tape recording during the conversation that is recorded with between vera and ron that Vera will take jabs at Norm too. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think that this, this is showing that no, she gives as good as she gets. That they do this to each other, mm-hmm. and then maybe it's not just maybe it's not just Norm doing it for the benefit of the bar people. It's like no, that's how he and Vera relate to each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he's and like, me, he calls
0: him. He's called. He's no Don Juan. He's more like Don of the Dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and maybe that's how they sustain their relationship when he's gone mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um so so yeah, overall, I mean, there's despite the the fact that there's an infidelity in and in norm kisses like it's it's kinda like it's a sweet episode and and the norm episodes are really good when there's a kind of tenderness at the end of it when you see mm-hmm. that, you know, despite how you know he his his quick to mock and to make fun of her when you see that there is genuine love beside beneath it, but he will only show so much of that without breaking the character. Like, like you're right. right. Like mm-hmm. he, he is fully committed to her and he, he, he rejects the advances of a woman who's willing to go to bed with him. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I love my wife too much. I'm not going to, I'm not going to betray her, but I'm also not going home to kiss her right now. I'm going to have more beers. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm still, you know, he's still norm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and, Yeah, it was funny looking at this episode and having him talk about the cheerleader story about when he first saw Vera. Of course, he has to make the joke that, you know, hey, Vera, can you introduce me to that cute little cheerleader? So first I have to do that. Uh, But that also then ties back to the earlier episode with his buddy who was also a wrestling buddy. Yes. Um, That season two episode called They Called Me Mayday, uh, where they both get into a fight for Vera. During their separation, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, yeah, they're still talk, but that's again, back to high school. It's like they, they've known each other, more cementing that thing that they've known each other since high school, and that's yeah. like the only relationship Norm has had. So that's a long term relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, at this point, gotta imagine he's been with her for twenty years because um, mm-hmm. um, George Wendt just turned 37 during this year, like uh, like while they were doing some of these early episodes. So if you figure More oh, right. is mm-hmm. the same age as the actor playing him, you know, he probably met Vera when he was 17 or 18 years old or something like that. He was during the, a football game or when they were in high school together. So, yeah, you got to figure they've been together for two decades. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, yeah. So that's that is uh, love thy neighbor. Um by the end of it like I just found myself saying like I I like what this showed us about Norm and their relationship. Like even more so than when he confessed to Sam that he's never been with another woman, that he's really honest and true to Vera and mm-hmm. but still willing to kind of like make fun of her just for the spirit of the guys. I liked this turn more that when given the mm-hmm. a genuine opportunity to cheat on her and to have an affair, he he resists it. He, he turns his back on that pretty flatly and def- definitely, mm-hmm. um, and says no, no. She means too much to me. Um, but still, you know, he's still Norm from the corner.
0: <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, uh, Phyllis calls Norm a hunk at the end. Mm-hmm. It's a, this is not the first woman who's come on to Norm, knowing that knowing that he's married, mm-hmm. and come on to him. <laughs> not the other way around, where he's pursued them. Yeah. Norm has game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he is a womanizer.
0: Jeez, but yeah, he won't. But he doesn't. Uh, as you said, he's not going to act on those things. The only reason he was even cl- started to go along with Phyllis on that was one, Phyllis Phyllis was you know doing the full court press, and s- second is that he really did think that perhaps that that Veer was cheating on him.
1: Mm.
0: i if once he knew that that was not the case done right right book is closed yep yes yeah, so it's amazing amazing yeah. good good stuff for our for our character here, yeah for someone who we don 't really necessarily think of that way <laughs> we yeah. just don 't think of it that way because of all the joking, but no he's a he 's a, a dedicated husband
1: uh given how much he 's moving around and doing stuff in this episode, he only had three beers that I clocked him for. Um, nah, which three. Jeez. Yeah, that brings him yeah. up to three hundred and fifteen for the series. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, for employee of the week, I thought it was pretty simple. This was uh, this was a Norm episode, and I thought he did a great job. He was funny. He was charismatic. He was empathetic. Um, I did. I thought um, the, the woman playing Phyllis. I thought Phyllis was a nice runner-up. She did it. She had a really good job, and she had some great moments. But this was Norm's episode all the way. What'd you think?
0: I I agree completely. That was exactly what I was thinking for the same reasons. Um, But you know, and Ernie Sabella just a wonderful job as a supporting character. Yeah, he nailed it. He had a great he a great little part, and he nailed it right there. But also, like interesting little tidbits. Like, uh, I think other people have commented on Ted Danson how he does a great job, kind of looking busy in the bar. Mm -hmm. It's like during during that opening sequence where Norm is talking about the dancing um, with Cliff, and there's head just peeling an apple behind the bar and just it's like just almost absent-mindedly for but he's doing it for some purpose thought, that's like just great you know color for working in the bar yeah. so that was great
1: yeah
0: but also for the writers it's like man I, I had to write down this one line that they gave diane it's not my home run but it's just <laughs> This, um, after all we've been through, what we had together was real and special, and you've cheapened it for all eternity by broadcasting to the entire me- Boston metropolitan area that, that was nothing but an audelisk in your seraglio <laughs>
1: What? If this is your idea of a silent treatment, it's like
0: it this... needs a little work. Yeah. <laughs> and that does mean, but that does mean a concubine in a Turkish harem.
1: Yeah, which okay but okay guys
0: <laughs> like, they but, definitely earned their pay on the the writing for just that sentence alone
1: yeah seriously yeah <laughs> um for the home run you kind of mentioned it but norm has this whole monologue when he's talking to woody then um, he kind of he, kinda, he does this thing. He's like, I was just thinking about this high school football game and looking up and seeing this beautiful cheerleader cheering her heart out and thinking, I'm going to marry that girl. So I turned to Vera and said, Hey, can you introduce me to her? And he kind of tells what he's joking about that. <laughs> um, and he kind of goes through this whole little spiel and everything about how much that meant to him. And Woody's like, Hey, Mr. Peterson, let me ask you, who won the game? And Norm just kind of like shakes his head. He's like, I couldn't even tell you, but what's going on right now? I can definitely tell you who lost and what he just kind of shakes his head. is like, well, can't you figure it out from that? (laughs) (laughs) I just love that moment.
0: That, that was a great, it was really great. And And then my, my runner up, my runner up
1: home run is Phyllis's death stare to Cliff when she stops and following them.
0: (laughs) Oh, those are great. But yeah, and I, I completely agree with the, with, with your home run line for Norm. Uh, because I love that 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 moment is great. But also, like after he, he gets kind of like looks confused for a second about what he's saying, like well, couldn't you figure it out from that? And it's just he looks at for a then just like impatiently, like, just give me another beer. Yeah, just give me another. <laughs> <laughs> now that wasn't my home run though. I still haven't got to my home run. Mm-hmm. Um, but you actually said it earlier, and it's one of Norm's last lines where they're in the pool room, and he says. I don't know. I've been wrecking my brain trying to figure (laughs) it out day after day, night after night. I sit on that stool out there wondering why did she lose interest in me? (laughs)
1: That's so good.
0: That's fantastic. Just fantastic.
1: All right. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming back on Cheerscast and talking about this episode. Um, As we, as we teed up at the beginning, you are a podcaster of your own. So where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you?
0: If they want to, I don't, I don't know why they would want to, but if they want to, Please do. Uh, you can find me on the Outcasters, the Batman and Outsiders podcast. Uh, you can find it on Twitter at BatOutcasters. And also fo- uh, its website is thehuntresspodcast.com. I know that's a little confusing, but that's because we share a feed with thehuntresspodcast.com that you can find uh, if you search for Batgirl slash Huntress. Okay, that's even getting more confusing because that's <laughs> also for the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast that I also participate on. And you can find me on Twitter at TimPrice17.
1: Very, very cool. All right. Thank you to all of you out there who listen to Cheers Cast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and or leaving a comment on the website, which you can find at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire & Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Rick from Jeff & Rick Presents and Monday Movie Muckabout, who sponsors this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire & Water Network, visit patreon.com slash Podcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. You all right, Mr. Peterson? You've been awful quiet tonight. I was thinking about a high school football game, actually. It was a long time ago, Woody, far away from here. We were playing our arch-rivals for the state championship, you know, and I saw the cutest little cheerleader that I'd ever seen in my life just cheering her heart out. Yeah. I, I looked at her, and the sun seemed to be shining only where she stood, you know? She seemed to be everything that was bright and pure and good I knew right then and there that I wanted to make that little gal my wife. So I I turned to Vera and I said, Honey, would you mind introducing me to the cheerleader? I'm joking, Woody. Of course, that little cheerleader was Vera. Hey, can I ask you a question, Mr. Peterson? Sure. Who won the game? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really couldn't tell you who won, Woody, but... Tonight... I sure know who lost. Well, can't you figure it out from that?
0: (laughs) Another beer, please. Coming up.